Hey, my lovely ladies, before the show starts, I'm looking for some more six and seven figure female founders and CEOs to interview. So please go to www.twwguest.com to apply. In today's episode, we're interviewing Brianna Lafe. She's a premium package coach. She helps women go from individual con- contributor to manager, from manager to director, from senior director, all the way to VP. And she actually likes to call herself the fairy job mother. Today, she's taking us behind the scenes of her number one secret to asking for the money that you deserve. This is going to be an amazing episode. Welcome, Brianna. Thank you so much. I love that introduction. It's almost like I wrote it myself. Almost. Oh, wait, I did. <laughs> we we definitely want you to feel like you have been described properly. So <laughs> and that was yeah. fun. And that, uh, cool. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the secret to, you know, asking for the money that you deserve. Yeah. So this is a great issue to d- discuss because it has so many pieces. Mm-hmm. Like there's the piece about, um, I mean, What I really feel is that women have an extraordinarily hard time asking for money. And this is a woman problem because we tend to be very apologetic. We don't want to be pushy. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to be abrasive. And we're often caught between a rock and a hard place, especially in corporate America. It's like if you are too um, direct, which men tend to be, then you can be branded as shrill or aggressive and you know, it's sort of the Hillary Clinton syndrome where mm-hmm. like she was branded as abrasive because she was direct. And and if she acted like the men in her field, that did not reflect well on her. So this is a very tricky thing in life in general. So we're constantly apologizing because we're raised to be conciliatory, to be people pleasers, all these things. I don't think that's bad. But I do think we need to w- to change the way that we communicate. And when it comes to money, this one is huge. So like I was just um, talking to someone about how I raise rates for one of my jobs. I do a few little things, right? And I was saying that when you ask for money, and first of all, let me start with this. If you're self-employed, all of your prices right now, go double them. And I'm not even kidding you double your prices because chances are you're not making as much money as the men around you who are charging for for you know the same service so go double your prices now and this is what i wanted to talk about taking that whole apologetic thing with you is very dangerous and it will not get you the money that you deserve so when you price your services and i think it's very important to talk about value based pricing which i'll explain in a moment and then, and then I'll ex- actually let me let me talk about that now. Why do I say you should double your prices? Because the the value you bring is not the same as the cost of your goods or services. So in my coaching business, if I coach someone and because of my coaching, they get a new job with an increase of twenty five thousand dollars a year, and that happens all the time. And I charge them, say, $2,500, that's a 10x ROI on that investment. So the value of what I brought them is literally $22,250. 
it is not, or I probably have my math sounds a little off there. <laughs> like, that's it up. <laughs> you got me. You got me. So, chat yeah. That's actually the service that they purchased. Oh, that's a pretty damn good deal, right? Now, right. if you just take it on face value and you say, oh my God, this coach is so expensive. She charges $2,500. Who the hell is she to say that, right? That's one way of looking at it, you know? And yes, I am high priced and I have really good reasons for being a high price. The main one is the value I bring you. And also, if I charge you high prices, I can guarantee that you will get more value. And that might sound crazy, but it's not. When you invest a lot of money in something, let's say you buy a coaching package and I have a very expensive coach who charges way more than me. You will show up, you will do all the homework, you will do all the work and you will get better results. People are more invested in the things that they pay for. If you came to me and said, what do you charge? I said, I charge you, you know, 25 bucks for six weeks. You'd be like, Okay, she obviously she's not good. Yeah, she has nothing to give me, right? <laughs> yeah, all these scammy um, coaches on Instagram who have like all these mini courses and recorded courses. Twenty four ninety five. I'll give you all the secret Instagram templates that you'll need for the rest of your life. No, it's not. That's not my field because I am a Bentley, not a Toyota. If you want a Toyota, I will direct you to one. But that's not what I have to offer. So now. When you ask for that money, and this is critical, you do not apologize. That's why I brought up apologizing first and pricing second. And here's how this goes. First of all, <laughs> I just did this like a few days ago where a friend of mine who's changing com companies asked me if I would do some writing for her because I've spent my, most of my life as a writer. And I said, sure. And she said, what are your rates? And I said, well, tell me what what the work is first because I have a theory too if like if something if you don't really want to do it just raise your prices until either the person says no or you're excited about it because like if I let's say you wanted me to write one press release for you and I was going to charge you a thousand bucks an hour I would be like no problem whenever you want right like raise yeah. your prices until you're expensive or uh, you're you're happy or they say no Anyway, I put the number on the table and it was the, the, the highest hourly rate I had ever asked for in my life. And then you sit back and be quiet because what you don't want to do is justify it. Well, I just raised my rates because, you know, cost of living has gone up and I have so many clients. No, 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 no. That's apologizing. Can you imagine going to like a lawyer, a male lawyer? I'd be like, what do you charge? And you'd be like $350 an hour. And here's why you'd be like, hmm. Yeah, I'd probably bargain with them. No, you ask for the money and you shut up. Shut up and wait. So those are my answers. <laughs> I love it. So, so tell us a little bit about how you kind of, you know, what has been your journey to uncover that this is, this is the secret, right? Like this is how you actually ask for the money you deserve. And what does that look like for you? Well, I think that and I think this is important. I'm one of those lifelong learner kinds of people. Like I read and read and read and I talk to everyone. And I get coaching. I mean, I, I, I keep myself pretty humble because there's always more stuff to learn, right? Mm -hmm. So actually, this is, I, I told you I was going to recommend some books for everyone and we should put them in the description. And I didn't even bring this one up. But there's a book I read called We Should All Be Millionaires by a woman named Rachel Rogers. 
Now, Rachel Rogers is a, a mixed black woman who also came from not very much money. She went on to, she begged, borrowed, and stole to get the tuition to go to law school. She started making money as a lawyer. She, anyway, she turned it into a, like a multi, like I think she's an eight-figure coach or something. Like she's seven, eight-figure. She's a multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. And she wrote this book about, first of all, why women should want to become millionaires. And it's probably not what you think. A lot of it is about when women have money, they tend to give more money away. And she talks about these premium pricing models, too. So that was one thing that got me thinking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I read a book called Playing Big by Tara Moore. And if that's the last book you read in your life, read that book. Playing Big is all about letting go of our play small habits. And one of our play small habits is apologizing and, you know, of apologizing for wanting anything, maybe the floor in a meeting apologizing for injecting an opinion. My stepsister does it all the time. So I was like, sorry, or no offense, but by the way, when people say no offense, but you know you're about to be offended. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so um, I really started to think about all the ways that we apologize. So Rachel Rogers is the one who says, double your rates, whatever they are, you know? And, And then Tara Moore talked about all the ways that we apologize and kind of make ourselves small in society. So I think those were the places where I really started to think this through a lot. And I highly recommend both books. Yeah. So, okay. So tell us a little bit about, you know, when you're working with a client, like what kind of, you know, you kind of mentioned like, hey, they might make, you know, an extra 25,000. What does that process kind of look like for them? What did they kind of go through when they work with you? And ultimately, what are some of the results when they actually ask for the money they deserve? That's a great question. And I think that, I mean, people who do stay humble and who are lifelong learners are the types of people who will seek out a coach. But in my experience, that is not who seeks me out. A lot of Mm -hmm. times they're seeking me out because they have imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do you get to the C-suite from being a senior manager? Well, I'll tell you one thing, it's not by apologizing. Mm -hmm. You know, leaders lead with um, authority and you can be super warm and sweet. It doesn't mean you're a jerk. But right. like you say things with the courage of your convictions, just like I just said now, raise your rates. Or I said to that woman, I've raised my rates and I asked for the highest amount. Speak with authority, you know. So but these women, these women, and I should include myself because I feel like we've all either been through that or struggled with it. Mm-hmm. They think they're faking it. And people say fake it till you make it and all that. And I don't think that that's a terrible idea. But I think it's easy for us to feel like we don't deserve it. We don't deserve that promotion. We don't deserve that money. So that's the first thing we really look at is limiting beliefs. How are you stopping yourself? You stopping yourself from getting what you want. Not your boss stopping you. Not anyone. It's you. You have to believe in yourself, what you have to offer, and understand the value of that offer. So, I mean, I see that a lot. And after we deal with the imposter syndrome, I teach them how to negotiate their salary because there you go again. Like I even, a male friend of mine today is about to get a job offer. And he's like, told me what the pay was and didn't sound very good. And I was like, (laughs) ask for more. Like, (laughs) you know, you'll be surprised 
what happens when you get a job offer, they expect you to negotiate. Same with a car dealer, like just ask for more. So imposter syndrome, which can lead you to asking for the money you want, which requires a lot of practice with salary negotiations. Also interviewing, and that's a really hard skill for people. And a lot of women, and I would say older women especially, do not know how to do video interviews. And that's a big one, right? Like, yeah. Like, get yourself a ring light, honey. 30 <laughs> degrees, right here, it's right here. You know, like, <laughs> I can show you how to look better on Zoom, how to sound better, what to wear and what not to wear on, mm-hmm. on a video call. So, like, that's a really big thing. There's a lot that goes into it. It's not like, let's just look at your resume. In fact, I do not rewrite people's resumes. I, Even as a writer, just know. Well, I had a job once doing it. It's a crappy job. Like, <laughs> I just don't want to get into that. Like, that's not what, like, don't come to me with that. I'm going to come to me with a, a desire and a goal, and I'll help you fulfill that. And I can refer you to a good resume writer. But like, yeah, I, of course. I don't have time for that. I charge too much. You don't want me to do your resume. Yeah. See, I'll, I'll charge you $1,000 <laughs> an hour <laughs> until you say no. Or I'm excited. Give me $1,000 an hour. I'd be super psyched to write your resume. <laughs> but don't, don't, don't come to me with that. <laughs> so talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you're taking on right now. Something, you know, something new or something you've just come up against that, you know, our audience can can relate to. Yeah, I feel super challenged at this particular moment in time. It's sort of a compound obstacle. Um, trying to figure out where my best fit customers are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they made me start an Instagram. <laughs> my coach insisted I start an Instagram. And like, I'm really not like an Instagram person. I'm a writer. I like words. I like to be quippy on Twitter. But when Elon Musk took over, I was outie. Out. So I'm like, Instagram, I need like pictures and images. Like, that's a lot of work. I don't want to do it. But so she's like, no, no, no. You, This is how you get business. And like, okay. So I went on Instagram and I just ever since I've felt like fresh meat. Like all the coaches who coach coaches are like preying on me. Like, you know, lions hunting a springbok on the savannah. <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh. so so now I feel all like awkward about it. But I did engage a social media consultant and she gave me a lot of really great ideas. She's like, yeah, all the wrong hashtags, girl. Like you don't like think about your best fit customer and where they go and what what kind of groups they're in by hashtags. And I was just doing it all wrong. So, I mean, I think this is an ongoing challenge for me and I'm going to start approaching it in different ways. Like I want to speak more. I want to go on podcasts more. Thank you very much for this. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Raising my profile that way, you know, but also now I have a new Instagram strategy, but but it's difficult, especially if you're a premium priced coach, you know, because there are a lot of cheap coaches out there, but I, I feel extraordinarily confident that what I have to offer is much more expansive and deeper and guaranteed. Like I, I literally put my foot behind it and say, guaranteed, satisfaction guaranteed, honey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, well, but it's like so important, like you said, to to stand behind what you're doing. And when you do that, that is how you have that firm ground to be able to step up 
charge what you're worth, right? What you deserve. Um, and yeah, but there's some challenges with it, right? And we all experience those. And that's so, we so appreciate you kind of sharing what you're going through. Cause you know, it's, it, it's what someone else in the audience is guaranteed to be going through. And we all need to hear. Yeah. So, and I yeah. thought it's going to come all down to marketing because I've spent plenty of years in corporate marketing and I'm an MBA. Actually, mm-hmm. I, and I, I'm like, I was at, never mind. I, I've lived a lot of life. But I got, got an MBA a few years ago and like I went into do some corporate marketing like back in like the 2010s. And I was like, oh, no problem. I could just take all my skills and use this in my business. And it's like, no, maybe I can't. <laughs> this is a different thing. So the whole yeah. Thing. yeah. So uh, marketing your business and finding like the formula that works for you, that's hard. Yeah. It's, and, and you got to hustle all the time if you're in a service business. My mom always used to say this to me. My mom's a pretty high-powered lady. And she used to say, service businesses are not scalable, which I actually do not agree with. Like, I, I know how to scale this business. Product businesses are scalable. And so what that means is you can only serve a certain number of people if it's one-on-one time. Um, so it's not like your marketing, it, your marketing has to be very ongoing. You know, it can't just be like, here, advertise your candles that you're selling on Amazon, like put them on Google, put them in Etsy, put them on, this is different. Yeah. So I think marketing is a challenge. So we ask all of our guests here at The Wealthy Woman about their vision of wealth. And that's that's important to us because of course, we don't believe that wealth is just about money, right? At the end of our life, we're not going to care how much money was is at our bank account at that moment. We're going to matter, you know, what, what kind of life did we have? So Love to ask you, Brianna, what is the thing in your life that makes you feel the wealthiest? I'm left by the beach. Oh. And it's kind of all that I've ever wanted. And while that sounds like I, you know, it sounds a little bit more grandiose than it is. Like I, I live in California. And I, I mean, I live in a place where like you can buy a mobile home for, you know, a million dollars. Like it's a really different kind of economy here. But I live three quarters of a mile from the beach. To me, that's like the pinnacle of success. And the other thing that makes me feel wealthy is that I've never, I've always done only and exactly what I wanted to do, like as a career. I've never compromised. So to wake up every day and feel like I can't believe I got, I get paid to do this and I live by the beach, you know, (laughs) and I have a great husband too, like. I'm divorced and I'm remarried and it's like, I really understand, like, it's not to be taken for granted. He's a great support system and he really supports my businesses and um, I have a wonderful kid and those are the things that matter. At the yeah. end of the day, that's what matters. So I would say family is the most important thing, but yeah. um, I would say family and, and living by the beach. You don't want to worry about the beach. Yeah. That's yeah. Spa days here and there, you know, those kind of things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we also like to ask, you know, what is the most, you know, unconventional outside of the box or silly thing that just brings you joy or wealth into your day-to-day life? Well, it's a little bit embarrassing, <laughs> but like I have a secret aspiration to be a stand-up comedian. Oh. And when I lived in New York, I went to grad school in New York and I, I was able to, I took a comedy writing class and did like one set at Caroline's and it went really, really well. And then I had an opportunity to do it again. And I bombed so badly. Like, it was terrible. 
Because delivery is one thing, but coming up with content is a whole other thing. And so I still, <laughs> I want to crack the code. Yeah. And I want to make people laugh. And I am kind of a wisecracker. Like I am known to be a wisecracker, but like, I, I mean, I don't think I'm going to succeed. <laughs> but you're going to have fun trying, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So. Hey, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more The Wealthy Woman podcast content, make sure to subscribe. And here's a way we can help you for free. If you are a six, seven or eight figure female founder and CEO, we want to see and interview you on one of our podcast shows. Head to twwguest.com. Again, that's twwguest.com. I hope to see you on our next interview. Now, at The Wealthy Woman, we help six, seven, and eight-figure female founders and CEOs to scale their business by using unconventional approaches like leading-edge science and tapping into their unique authenticity code. If that sounds good to you and you want to get some help, then we're inviting you to book a short chat with our team to see how we can best help you. Go to www.thewealthywoman.com slash chat. Again, that's www.thewealthywoman.com slash chat.